Today's show is sponsored by Usage AI. Usage AI is for companies trying to rein in their AWS EC2 spend. No code changes, no downtime, no engineering work required. Usage AI is the only cloud cost platform that automatically applies the cost savings recommendations they provide you, automatically netting you up to 57% off your EC2 spend. All this in under five minutes. Join companies like Deal, Kick, and FabFitFun by visiting usageai slash cloudcast. Get started today. That's usageai slash cloudcast. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from our massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. It is mid-February, and at least here in North Carolina, things are starting to warm up. We're starting to see uh, some of the coldest days past us, which is a good thing, and, and folks are starting to get outside, and I certainly hope everyone is both recovering and staying healthy from the winter. In news this week, we have a couple pretty quick articles. Uh, the first one is all about Intel. Intel recently uh, uh, announced they're going to acquire Tower Semiconductor. Now, if you remember recently, uh, we covered AMD and ARM uh, a couple ah, a couple weeks ago, maybe. And it, it's looking like that deal is going to fall apart. And with this deal, if this goes through, this is more in the Foundry product line. Um this will make Intel probably one of the broadest portfolios in the industry that's out there. And uh, the acquisition is about 5.5, uh, 5.4 billion. Uh, but the um, foundry market is 100 billion in addressable market. So hopefully a good opportunity for Intel. And we certainly wish everyone uh, good luck with that. For our next one, another maybe acquisition. This one kind of goes into a little bit of the rumors and speculation. Uh, Cisco, uh, it has hit the press, uh, made an offer uh, of $20 billion to uh, take over Splunk. Now, we've I've heard various stories on this or read various stories on this. Some say um, – they're actively talking. Some say they're actively, uh, they're not actively talking, excuse me. So I, I, I don't know exactly uh, what's going on uh, there, but it is heavily rumored and something that has been reported on in the press enough to where we wanted to cover it as well. If it is uh, something that does happen, it will be a pretty significant shakeup and, and certainly a big acquisition for Cisco as well. And for our last article, um, Microsoft is reopening some of their offices. And, and of course, you know, with COVID, we've talked many times about um, working from home and, and the pandemic and the effects on it, short term and long term. We've, we've even done dedicated shows about it. Um, it will be interesting to see what happens uh, when folks return to the office. You know, some are happy about it. Some are not happy about it. Uh, I'll share a quick funny story for us. Um, you know, anybody who has worked from home for any amount of time, our office recently, uh, they did a get together for, for some folks in the office. Uh, and it was... Um, 
maybe what we all have to look forward to for positive or, or negative of trying to remember how to set up the conference calls and how to get the video to work in the conference rooms. Um, it's been a long time for some of us. And then somebody wants to draw on the whiteboard and no one that's you know, on the recording can see it anymore. And so unfortunately, there's probably going to be that awkward stage coming back up where everyone uh, or, or some folks decide to return to the office, but also have to figure out how to do that again. And also how to work with uh, some folks that are still remote uh, going forward. So it will be interesting to see how this affects both not just our industry, but, but really everyone around the world. So with that, I'm going to wrap up Cloud News of the Week. Coming up right after the break, we have Eric Peterson with Cloud Zero going to talk to us about cloud cost intelligence. You know the drill. You're falling asleep and you're waking up on an emergency page. It's your night on call and something's wrong. The good news is you've got new Relic, so you can quickly run down the incident checklist and find the problem. The lambdas seem good, but something's up in the APM. Dig deeper and there's another set of errors in Kubernetes. Ask the team to roll back and the problem's solved. That's the power of combining 16 different monitoring products into one platform, so engineering teams can see across their entire software stack in one place. You can pinpoint issues down to the line of code and resolve it quickly. That's why dev and ops teams at DoorDash, GitHub, Epic Games, and more than 14,000 other companies use New Relic to debug and improve their software. Whether you're at a cloud-native startup or a Fortune 500 company, it takes just five minutes to set up New Relic in your environment. The next late-night call is just waiting to happen, so get New Relic before it does. You can get access to the whole New Relic platform and 100 gig of data free forever with no credit card required. Sign up at newrelic.com cloudcast. That's N-E-W-R-E-L-I-C dot com slash cloudcast. Today's show is sponsored by BMC. And BMC wants to know, is your business on its A-game? The A-game is when systems are intelligent by learning from markets, where automation is paramount yet effortless, and when technology and people work as one in an enterprise. The A-game is your business at its absolute best. BMC calls this the autonomous digital enterprise. Find out more at bmc.com slash A-game. That's bmc.com slash A-game. And we're back. And folks, you know, one of the things that we've seen happen, you know, so much over the last two years is if people have really been changing their habits around cloud, obviously we've seen, you know, everybody working in different places, whether you're permanent remote or you're temporarily remote, your teams are, are, are working differently. And, and what we've obviously seen over the last couple of years is, is that's driving a lot of different cloud behavior. And one of the things that, that that means if we're driving different cloud behavior is um, we got to get a handle on what's it going to cost us to be using the cloud because you're probably using it probably more than you were a year ago, two years ago, but you may be using it in, in very different ways, right? You may be experimenting more. You may be putting more workloads in the cloud. You may be you know, experimenting with you know, data science and you're doing things that are at scale maybe you didn't do before. And so one of the things that we want to make sure we're always doing is you know, not only talking to you about, you know, ways to, to better build applications, but also ways to really kind of wrap your head around how are you spending things? Are you doing it in an intelligent way? And so really excited to, you know, like we always like to do, go find some folks that are they're experts and stuff. So really excited to have Eric Peterson, who is founder and CTO at Cloud Zero. Eric, welcome to the show. Great to have you on. Oh, thanks, Brian. It's great to be here. Um, we're going to dive into, um, you know, how to be smart with our, with our costs in the cloud. What's the right kind of systems to help us. Um, but before we dive into that, you've got a, a really interesting background as I was diving into it. Uh, you've, you've 
done a lot of things in technology, but a lot of stuff that, you know, is, is, is different than that, you know, nuclear stuff and banking stuff. Give us a little bit of your background and how you eventually kind of got into the, the technology side of things from a maybe not technology starting point. Uh, you know, it, um, you mentioned that and for a second, I was like, who, who are you talking about? Oh, wait a second. Right. You know, so, <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, it's funny. I, um, I grew up, uh, my, my father was, uh, worked for the government. I grew up overseas and I, um, I found myself after, um, kind of in between, uh, high school and college working at the international atomic energy agency. And, um, and that gave me a real taste for politics. Also gave me a real taste for, uh, for security, sure. um, made me, you know, both optimistic for the world and cynical at the same time. Um, and I think that, you know, that, that kind of set me on the path. And then I spent 20 years almost in the, in the application security industry before I, uh, I decided I needed, I needed a break. Um, and I had gotten the cloud cloud bug. I, I jumped in hard on that. Um, and it really, um, it really kind of set me up for where, where we are today with, with, <laughs> with everything that we're working on right now. But, oh my gosh, yeah, that, those are some interesting times working with UN weapons inspectors, people going out to Iraq and coming back with computers filled with sand, just, yeah. um, you know, crazy stuff that was, uh, that was a lot of fun when I think back on it. Yeah, no, and I, I, I sort of always like finding folks in our industry that, that started in something like that because it's, there's times when I, I'm sure you, you sit around and go, um, I used to work on literally life and death stuff and future of the yeah. planet stuff. And and now I'm worried, you know, people are worried about a bug or a typo in a doc, like really <laughs> like there's probably uh, totally. a scope of problem I mean, issue. Sometimes. Cracks, it cracks me up that like maybe the first kind of <clears throat> first real job I had ever in my life was probably more consequential than to, to it, it, all the way up leading up to now what I'm, I, I would of course, you know, believe I'm working on right now, but back then, like the stuff that we were working on determined whether or not, you know, countries um, were exploiting yeah. nuclear weapons, right? You know, building nuclear weapons. Like we were looking at North Korea, we were looking at Iraq, like all this crazy stuff. And, right, right. Um, now we're working on something much more important is how much are you spending on this cloud bill? That's right. That's right. <laughs> right? That's right. Well, let's let's start by talking about um, sort of maturity levels of, of, you know, not just companies using the cloud. Obviously, you know, every day there's, there's sort of interesting new stories, but sort of even groups within organizations, within companies. I, you know, for, for me, I feel like engineers, the engineering teams have gotten fairly mature about using the cloud. Um, but like, how do you, how do you find other teams? Cause everybody these days, you know, whether you're, you know, a product manager or you're a marketing organization and your finance, you're using the cloud in some ways. And, and sometimes maybe you're just using SaaS, but sometimes you, you kind of, you don't really know what you're doing. Like, you know, give me a sense of, of you deal with a lot of folks, especially, you know, spending money in the cloud. What's, what's the maturity level kind of across the board? Where's their, where's their peaks? Where's their valleys? Yeah. You know, I think in a lot of ways we've gotten more mature infrastructure as code has really become the, 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 the way the majority, at least we're all talking about it. (laughs) Most of us are not clicking around in the console, or at least if we are, we're, we're, we're smart enough not to admit it at parties. Yeah. And um, where you know DevOps has become kind of the the, the norm, we think about CI/CD and continuous deployment. Um, but we've still, I think, managed to be pretty immature about how we're building systems in the cloud. Actually, even today, and we're I mean we're almost you know we're we're over a decade into it for most people, and um, and I still think it's kind of amazing that um, 
we send the people who are making the buying decisions off to, to make the decisions without having them really part of the, the, uh, the cost conversation, right? You know, every engineering decision, I like to remind people, every engineering decision is a buying decision, right? Yeah. The, this move to the cloud was, you know, pretty amazing for like all kinds of reasons we could talk about it all day long, but the, the, at the end of the day, like there was a real revolution that happened kind of under our noses where that the CFO or the CIO stopped making the buying decision and the engineer who's building something is making maybe dozens of buying decisions every, you know, every hour of every day, actually. Right. right? You know, right. They, they go one direction, it costs $5. They go another direction, it costs $5,000. And, um, and they're not, um, they're not part of that conversation. They might not even have the prices or the knowledge of how much those decisions are going to cost them in front of them at all. And, um, well, and that's, and it's, that really, it messes with the, it, you know, messes with the model. I think it's a reason why we have some of these big kind of cost challenges. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's hard because there is no, there is no sort of universal unit of, of cloud, right? You know, some things cost, uh, by time, some things cost yeah. by capacity, some things cost by, you know, streams or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard enough to keep track of all these technologies, let alone, you know, understand, well, you know, is that, you know, is that expensive or, you know, even, even some things like, you know, I always have this, this, this thing I, I say with people, like when you start dealing with really big numbers, like people can't comprehend big numbers, but, but like they'll do things like go, oh, okay, well, here's how much money I make. And that's, that would seem like a lot if it was my money I'm spending. Right. But yeah, you don't, you know, so if somebody tells you, well, it's 0. 0.0036 per thousand streams and you're sort of like, well, I don't, is that expensive? Is that not expensive? So yeah, there's, yeah. we don't have a baseline. Like people don't really understand it, you know, and, um, you know, the, the engineering and building anything has always been about constraints, working within right. constraints, right? You know, you start with, well, this is how much memory you have or disk space or compute power or whatnot. And for better or worse, we moved into the cloud and found ourselves in this happy land of no constraints. Mm -hmm. At least that's what your cloud, you know, our cloud providers want us to believe is like, you have no constraints. Scalability is no longer an issue. Go build and do amazing things. Right. You know? right. I hear that at every reinventor, every cloud. <laughs> cloud <conference. laughs> that's right. And well, that's great. I've got like infinite scale, but I don't know about you, Brian. I don't have infinite wallet, right? right. And uh, you know, nobody's right. figured that out. If we figured that out, we'd be on vacation right now. So, yeah. Um, you know, so people have to have a have have to you know incorporate some sort of concept of uh, what I like to think of more than cost is really efficiency. Yeah. You know, what are you doing in order to efficiently use this resource, and not so much how much you're spending, but then to take that and put that in terms of like what it costs to deliver value. And what is your return on that investment? Because, you know, newsflash, if you're if you're working at a successful company or even an unsuccessful company, your cloud spend is almost certainly going to go up over time. Yeah. If you've built your systems in a very, I, I'd say cloud focused or cloud native way, they should be elastic. They should be growing. They should, they should, you know, ebb and flow according to demand. You know, and if you're adding new customers, your costs are going to go up. But what's the, the, you know, the deeper question isn't like the total dollar figure, because I think the total dollar figure is kind of useless to an engineer. It's more about what does it cost to deliver value? So if I, if I work for a company that um, processes emails, it's probably pretty useful if I know how much it costs to process a email, right? You know, right. or a or thousand messages. And 
and the best part about, you know, if I if I focus in on that number instead of the total spend, like who cares how much I'm spending on EC2? What does it cost for my company to deliver value? Then I can say, oh, well, wait a second, it costs us, you know, five cents a message. But I just, I just, and I present it, you know, I present that to the to the rest of the org, and the org goes, wait a second, we're only pricing at 50, you know, at, at half a penny per message. Right. We're losing money on every everything that we do. Now you can go to the engineering team and say, I don't care what you do, Kubernetes, serverless, something new and cool. Just figure out the unit cost so that we're profitable or at least breaking even, for God's sake. <laughs> right. Well, right. And, that's, and that's hard sometimes because, you know, your, your end customers don't care what your system costs, right? They're, <laughs> they're clicking around your web page. They're leaving it idle. They're, yeah. you know, doing whatever. They could care less. And I think a lot of times what happens is, you know, especially if, if a company goes from, say, being a brick and mortar company to, to doing stuff online, they don't realize, you know, loitering in your store and just looking around <laughs> the shelves doesn't cost anything once I mean, it's a fixed cost at this point, but it, but it's an ongoing cost when it becomes a digital transaction yeah. or a digital place. So, yeah. um, yeah. we've, we've covered, I feel like we've covered cloud, you know, kind of cloud cost stuff on this show for, for a while, but it's, you know, it's an evolving space, right? Like early on it was, um, you know, just this weird concept of like stuff's on demand. Okay, well, that's that's strange. Mm-hmm. It's not ELA. And then it became, you know, am I buying reserved instances or am I, you know, it's sort of on demand versus, you know, what what felt like traditional buying. Um, but I feel like nowadays there, there needs to be a lot more context, you know, that, that's given or at least provided to the people that are buying because, mm-hmm. you know, we, we now understand, hey, if I'm a marketing organization, I want to do A-B testing. I want to do experimentation. If I'm an online retailer, like, there are things that you want to do or, or whatever it might be. Do you find that the systems, you know, have from an intelligence perspective or, you know, just a context perspective, put it, put it in the business person's, you know, thinking, is that something that, that you guys have to focus a lot on is, you know, kind of, you know, not doing just, you know, Hey, is it this choice or this choice for, for cost? but it has, there has to be more context yeah. around it. You got to have the business context, right? Yeah. You've got to put it in, 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 in the scope of what it is that your company does. You know, yeah. if you're a messaging company, what does it cost to do a message? If you're a, a, a security company, what does it cost to do a security scan? You know, whatever yeah. it is, you've got to put it in context. Like the manufacturing of, of today is we build software on top of the cloud and deliver it via the cloud. Right. And yet we have a really immature understanding of what our cost of goods sold is, what it costs to deliver value, what our margins are. We kind of we kind of uh, just kind of guess at this. And, and I mean, I'll put it into context. You know, my first entry into like really the cloud was in my previous company where um, we we wanted to build a new product, wanted to bring it to market. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we were at early state, you know, early to market uh, SaaS company with an on-prem data center. Okay. And I realized as we were kind of building this out, we had a small team, we were going, there's no way we're going to deliver this product with the scale of an on-prem data center, we need to move to the cloud. We did our homework. We picked AWS. I get to the console. I'm setting up the account for the first time and it goes, Hey, give me your credit card. I'm like, all right, I'm at least smart enough not to use my own credit card. (laughs) I go to our CFO. uh, You know, I say, Ed, Hey, I want to set up our first Amazon account. I need the company credit card. He looks at me and he goes, all right, well, we trust you, Eric, but you have a budget of $3,000. Like, could you imagine having a three thousand dollar budget in cloud anything these days, right? right. You know? And um, I'm like three thousand dollars. Okay, what happens? He's like, if you if you go over this budget, that's it. This cloud thing experiment is over. So don't do it, right? And I didn't want to go back to the data center, so I was really motivated, right? Right. I had no idea what I was doing. So 
I sit down, we start spinning this stuff up, and I realized, like, how do I work myself back from, you know, this is the planning I think we can all do as, as cloud architects or engineers is work yourself backwards from, like, a metric that makes sense to you. So for me, I was building a product that was scanning things. And mm -hmm. I was like, all right, well, what is going to be my, what is the cost per scan that I have to achieve in order to, in order to build a system that will be profitable, that will fit in my budget? Right. And I realized that I had, you know, so I focused in on unit cost. I realized I needed a, a very, you know, sub penny kind of, you know, like maybe it was like 15 cents a scan kind of mm -hmm. kind of number that I needed to hit. And then I looked at all the technologies and then I asked myself, well, what technologies am I going to have to use? Right. And I thought, all right, well, I can buy capacity. I can do reserve stuff. Like that was one of the levers you had in those early days. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, no, no, that's not going to be enough. So I went and I looked at spot and I looked at how we schedule that and how we do that. And I actually had to have the team, we had to write code that would actually schedule spot instances to stay within our, our budget, you know, and, and then, you know, at the end of this, you know, early stage of project 2000, I think it was $2,972. Wow. <laughs> we, we, we figured out how to do it. Right. And, and we scanned 30,000, you know, 30,000 websites for a client and they bought the product and the margins were fantastic. But it was all driven by like, you have to incorporate this idea of what it costs to deliver value right. into your design process. And then after that project, CFO Canary said, that was fantastic. Let's get the rest of the engineering team onto this, this uh, you know, onto the, onto the cloud bandwagon. And I turned my back for a second and I was working with some of the smartest engineers I ever worked with. Like there's, there's just fantastic people out there building amazing things. And we were spending 50,000, a hundred thousand, 200,000, like the blink of an eye. And I found myself in front of the CFO and I was getting beaten up. Sure. Right? <laughs> so, you know, that's what kind of brought me to where I am now, which is like, you know, how, there's gotta be a better way to get, get people thinking about this. How can we bring business context, visibility, so that the people building these things understand what they're doing, that the finance team doesn't get pulled into a conversation about Kubernetes. They don't care about Kubernetes, right? You right. know, they care about what does it cost to deliver value? And, you know, and the product teams are trying to figure out how to price things. They're like, how do I even price this you know, product that we're building? And, you know, everybody's, it's just, it's, it's a lot of like moving parts. So we're trying to give them a common language that, yeah. that people can talk talk through these things. Well, and it's, and it's, and it's super important because it's, you know, in, in your, in your example, uh, you know, you were trying to say, look, um, you know, in your mind, you were like, what, you know, what's it going to cost for me to, to deliver a scan or 10,000 scans or whatever. Yeah. But, but even, you know, even that becomes sort of a, a micro element of, you know, you probably had, you know, people in your marketing organization going, well, I hope to sell stuff to that, to that customer. Right. But yep. I also am going to have to figure out some top of funnel things from a marketing perspective. So I'm probably going to have to do, you know, some free trials. Well, you know, free sounds great, except, you know, there's a there's a back end cost to that if you're not like you know, giving out discs anymore or whatever it is. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I think a lot of that, you know, what, what you really highlight is the importance of, um, you know, not, you know, especially if, if, if your experience is, is this digital experience, it's delivered out of the cloud, you, know, you really have to kind of have a 360 view and you have to share that within the organization. Like people can't just build random things and be like, well, you know, the amount of memory doesn't matter or the number of times yeah. it, the number of times it, it syncs up and sends out 8,000 messages across to queue doesn't matter. Well, it does, right? Cause it, it may, may, may or break what, you know, whether or not your burn rate works or you can hire that next engineer or you can afford that next customer, all right. those macro level things. 
Um, yeah, totally. T- talk to me a little bit about about you know how you go about trying to create that sort of commonality of language or you know commonality of viewpoint between these groups who you know some are quote unquote technical, some shouldn't have to care about the technology, but at the end of the day, you know somebody reports the the P and L and they report profits and earnings and, and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, it I try to really get the. You know, my, I feel like sometimes I'm a counselor to a lot of the engineering teams that um, have been struggling. You know, they're getting beaten up by their finance teams. I feel like, sure. and I have a ton of empathy for that because I was exactly in that seat, getting beaten up by my CFO, trying to explain to them why spot instances and EC2 cost what it does. And and looking, you know, looking up from my notes and realizing they have no idea what I'm talking about, right? You know, they're yeah. just not interested. In, and why should they be, right? You know, because ultimately as any business that's building something, should be obsessed about you know what it what it costs to deliver value, not necessarily the the nuts and bolts of that. That's why you have an engineering team; they can specialize and focus on that. Like you don't, the yeah. last thing you want is your CFO saying is is guiding you to make technology decisions. Right, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's going to be a disaster. And you don't want the engineering team guiding your CFO to like think about you know the financial numbers. You just want a common language so everybody can make the right decisions for their organization. Yeah, and. That's why I think that ultimately the conversation we've been having about how much money we're spending on what services, whatever is ultimately broken. What, what we really need to be talking about is the unit economics of this process, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If I was a newspaper company, I would know what it costs for ink, what it costs for paper, what it costs to deliver, you know, that paper. But for some reason in this cloud era, we are not, um, you know, developing the same kind of level of expertise and understanding what it costs to, to just do business. And, um, and that's, that's where the conversation's falling down. Right. You know, yeah. and every, everybody from the C, uh, even the board level, you know, down to the like most junior engineer, I think can understand a unit economics figure like mm-hmm. it, that makes sense to them. And then they can make the right decisions for, for their part of the business um, to do the right thing, right. Pricing, right. Engineering, right. Financial, you know, right strategic conversations, it, it all intertwines. That's that common language that I, yeah. that I think, you know, you're asking about. And, and I feel like you guys have sort of an interesting perspective on this. I, you know, I, I know I've talked to companies who, um, you know, their, their approaches, um, you know, the, 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 the cost system, the cloud cost system will be, you know, fully automated and, and others sort of go, no, 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 you need, you know, kind of people experts in this. You guys sort of take this blended approach to that. Can you walk through a little bit about how you think about, you know, when, when the system should, should help you make decisions or give you insight versus, you know, being able to have some, some human uh, yeah. expertise, bring some context to that. Well, think about it. Like we, before we we're, you know, before people were thinking about efficiency and cost, mm-hmm. people would often think about the other kind of important things of building software, performance, error rates, mm-hmm. you know, uptime availability. I don't want a system that says, Hey, you know, your performance is slow here is the line of code that you need to change, you know, like here's the, here's the exact thing you should go out and do it. It's probably, that recommendation is probably going to be bad, right? Because just knowing that it's running slow is going to unlock me as an engineer to kind of go, Oh, all right. I know how the system works. Right. I, I can start to get to work on that. Yeah. What was most important to me was you gave me data, right? Oh, it was failing. Oh, it was running slow. Oh, the transactions are taking too long. You know, all right. And you've given me data. You've kind of given me an idea of where it is in the system who's best equipped to that? It's not some automated system that's necessarily going to go make a decision for me. I'm going to have to go write the code. It's the same thing in the security industry. We we tried for years in the security industry, particularly in AppSec, 
to say, no, no, we can just put something, a layer on top of this and all the SQL and cross-site scripting problems will go away because it's solved by a box outside the development process. And that was a total failure, right? It wasn't until you started pointing to the code and saying, hey, software engineers, you guys need to understand how this works. You need to um, realize that you have parts of your code that are vulnerable and you guys are the ones who are going to actually be the best at, at fixing it. So I think cost is the same way. Give them the data, help people understand, you know, directionally where that stuff um, is happening. And then that will guide the people to make better decisions. I've seen like tons of products over the years. I've used a lot of them that try to give you these recommendations like, oh, go turn off these 30 instances and, and go make these optimizations and decisions. And you go, yeah, but you don't have the business context that I do. Yeah. Those are horrible recommendations. Nobody's <laughs> going to do that stuff. I'm not going to turn off my disaster recovery, you know, right. site, you know, or I'm not going to like, I need that stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, but engineers are smart people. You give them the data and they're going to make better decisions. Yeah. Right? Um, I want to, I want to uh, kind of, give folks some things they can take and take away from this. Cause you know, what, what you guys do is, is super powerful, but um, what are, what are some of the, the kind of common mistakes you see people make around, around cost management or what are some of the, you know, kind of immediate things that, that you often are, are, are able to, you know, tell people to do yeah. to, to get from, Hey, it feels like we're spending too much to, you know, something that, that makes them either feel better or they go, Oh no, we're, we're doing the right things. Yeah. I mean, there's always, there's, even to this day, there's always the, you know, the stuff about turning off the lights and things like that. Sure, but honestly, yeah. you know, and that's easy stuff. Most of that low hanging fruit has been, been solved. Also, you know, buying our eyes. I, I see people buying reserved instances and doing that stuff and they do a fantastic job where they're making common mistakes is not understanding shared costs, not understanding how, sh- you know, like they might have that big shared database that's mm. used by all five different teams and they don't understand how that shared database's usage is broken up across those teams. They can't properly allocate or attribute the costs of these, these shared things. Or they're just throwing it in a spreadsheet and they're doing simple math. They're not building a, a model that's based on real telemetry, right? And because of that, they're making bad engineering decisions or they're making bad kind of strategic decisions and not realizing, wait a second, this little system over here built by some interns last summer is accounting for 90% of our transaction volume on our database. And that's why our snowflake bill is so high, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And instead they were just dividing it across their five different products and saying, well, that's just what it costs. What's really amazing, like unlocks just unbelievable kind of fast cost savings, more savings than I think anybody um, can kind of comprehend is when you say, no, 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 like your database costs for that shared component are driven by these transactions, which is, which is coming from these components or these services or these teams within your organization. And then people have that aha moment where they go, oh, wow, I had no idea. Why is that thing querying every 30 seconds? Actually, it could do that every day. Right. So you get, you're, getting, you're getting into the you know, customer level, feature level, you know, right. that level, which is, yeah, that seems really it, important. It's huge. And then people make a one-line change and their costs drop by, you know, by like 10x. Yeah. And it wasn't like spending this undifferentiated time where they're like searching for the coin, you know, I call it like searching for the coins in the couch, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> such a low, the opportunity cost for that is, is it's a total waste, right? Forget it. Go find the, the mistake that happened. We do it all the time. We use our product, of course, for ourselves. And we, we know exactly what a cost per query down to a customer is, right? I can tell you 
how much every query hitting our database is costing us and which customers are driving that and which services or, or components in our environment are driving that. And we found uh, something just the other day, I was talking with, with the engineering team, and they realized they had a simple statement that said, run all these queries every day, but they only generate reports every Monday. And they're like, why are we doing this every day? That right. Nothing ever happens. They made a one-line change huge cost savings yeah and um and like those are the that's the real opportunity here when you can like point people at it and it's a really fast um kind of activity it's not a lot of work to get there right you know but we have to think differently about these shared costs we can't just divide them by x we have to base these calculations on real telemetry right you know and, and that's where you combine this is something that's that i think is really unique to what we're working on is we don't just look at the cost data. We look at the cost data and the activity, right? You yeah. know, what are the services or your customers or your things? How is all that coming together? And that unlocks this amazing insight. Yeah. Well, and it's, and it's like you said early on, it's um, you know, it's, it's no longer about, you know, are you getting to the cloud? It's, you know, this is, this is the new, you know, manufacturing, right? You're, you're manufacturing yeah. sort of digital assets. And if, you know, if anybody ever takes the time to sort of study um, kind of manufacturing principles, um, you know, th those folks, I mean, they, they measured from day one, they knew every step of everything they were constantly optimizing. Um, and, you know, kind of, like you said, bringing that mindset to, um, you know, to software, to sort of awareness of your business, and then, you know, contextualizing it, like, what does this mean for a customer experience? What does this mean for why are we right. running those reports every day? So, yeah, it's, it, it's kind of awesome to see that we're beginning to get closer to, um, you know, that level of, of awareness and granularity and, and then hopefully making better decisions. Yeah. I mean, we're making, uh, <clears throat> efficient cloud driven innovation possible for every organization that we're working with. And we're getting people to think about this in a, in a completely different, different light where they're able to understand the cost of, you know, their buying decisions that they're making every day, that they're, they're able to see the, the, you know, how things inter interrelate and, and then make real, decisions that have real demonstrable Im impact on the bottom line. Yeah. Ultimately, we're engineering profit out of this. I, I want to yeah. change the conversation from cost to profit because um, that is ultimately what we're all trying to do. We're not spending this money as a sunk cost. We're spending this money because for every dollar I spend on my cloud provider, ideally, I would like to get $8 back, you know, sure. <laughs> and, you know, I would, otherwise, why am I doing it? Right. You right. know, it's, I'm not just spending that money to say goodbye to it. I'm spending it because I'm building a product that I sell for money that I'm trying to be profitable. And I, I tell the you know engineering and architecture teams we work with is like, ultimately, we're going to turn you guys into a profit powerhouse where you're going to be able to come back to the business and say, Hey, last week, the engineering team deployed these capabilities. And because of it, we added five points to the bottom line. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, well, I mean, that's it's it's. I mean, it's great. It's great for your great for your investors, but it's great for just motivating people, making them feel like they're you know yeah. they're part of you know what's what's driving the business. So that's awesome Absolutely. stuff. Um, Eric, I, I want to. I think we're going to kind of wrap it up there. I, I appreciate you know you diving into sort of experience of of how you you know how you think about this stuff. You know, the context of the broader context of it. Um, if folks want to dig into to cloud zero a little bit more, pick your brain some more, what are, what are some good ways to, to engage with yourself or engage with the oh, team? Yeah. Find me on Twitter at, uh, at, at Silvexis, S I L V X I S, um, or our, our cloud zero Inc. Uh, Twitter. That's a great place to, to reach out. Um, it'll, you know, I'll get the buzz on my phone instantly. I love talking with people. 
and I'm and I'm really generous with my time. You know, if people want to have a, a open conversation about this, just reach out. We can get a 30 minute conversation going. Um, it's it's just something so near and dear to my heart. Um, and of course, you know, hit up our website and and, and let us know what you think. Yep. Um, but all feedback and conversation is welcome. This has been fantastic conversation, Brian. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, well, we we appreciate it as well. And and folks, with that, I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, on behalf of Aaron and I, we want to thank Eric so much for his time and his insights today. Um, you know, as always, folks, thanks for telling a friend. Uh, you know, continue to grow the show. Uh, thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for helping us grow the community. Thanks for giving us feedback on, on Apple uh, Apple Podcasts and all the ways that you get your show each week. And with that, we're going to wrap it up. Thank Eric again, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media.